good evening. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kuma, and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening are Derek Jansa van Rensburg from Anchor and Nick Krell from FNB Wealth and Investments. Do send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, thanks so much for your time, gents. Quite an interesting trading session. Um, it has been today the start of a new month, the second month of the last half of the year. I want to start off with you, Nick. What did you make of today's trading? Because it seemed that, uh, I don't know if in investors were taking a step back, taking a breather, or if there is something significant driving that kind of uh, red trading we have seen today. Yeah, I, th I think from my side, it probably came to uh, a little bit of fatigue, uh, you know, post-month end. Right, we've seen a, a big run, especially in offshore sort of markets, but SA markets as well through the course of July. Uh, and ultimately, I think it's a bit of a reset button um, kind of kind of kind of day. Obviously, we've got a lot of um, you know specifically global stocks that are still coming through uh, in terms of earnings. So more information, but we had a big big week last week in terms of earnings and results that were out. And obviously, we've got a, a fair amount of SA listed um, you know, companies that we're looking forward to for earnings during the course of August as well. So I think just a bit of a, a, a wait and see type of type of day. I think obviously compounded that slightly was the negative, um, you know, um, numbers out of China uh, overnight, which I think probably swayed a little bit on global kind of sentiment and equity sentiments in general. Yeah. Um, uh, Derek and the RAND snapping back into the red. Um, an interesting take that I, I got from uh, an RMB trader. They're saying that uh, for the month of July, the RAND strengthened about 6%. But really, uh, looking at the broader perspective and how the RAND was uh, one of the worst performers in the, in the EM space for the first six months of the year. What are you making of how the RAND is uh, reacting today, weakening by more than almost 2.5%? <laughs> Yeah, so quite a big move in the currency. I think um, it really just comes down to a little bit of risk aversion. I think, as Nick said, you know, a little bit of profit taking. This is the first day of the new trading month. <clears throat> Things have done well, particularly in that offshore space. So we did see uh, the indications of a little bit of a softer market there uh, at the open on the NASDAQ and the Dow and the S&P. Uh, and that's obviously filtered through into somewhat of a stronger dollar um, probably coupled with a little bit of weaker negative sentiment towards South Africa. Obviously, uh, just not a great uh, day if you just look at the currency. So, you know, one would have thought that a lot of your RAND hedges would have held up. But just generally, the sentiment out there across the globe in the, in the sort of uh, UK and Eurozone was a bit softer. A little bit of profit taking, moving into cash, uh, and just that wait and see approach that Nick alluded to earlier. So, yeah, just a bit of risk aversion. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's get into the viewer questions. Quite an interesting one that is uh, coming through uh, as uh, investors are kind of uh, consolidating their portfolio positions. Uh, which shares should form the core of a South African equity portfolio? Uh, and as a percentage, what weighting should they have in the portfolio? Uh, Nick? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. Um, I think it all comes to what you're comparing it against, right? So mm. first we make mention of, of SA. Are we talking about SA exposed companies? Are we talking about just companies that happen to be listed in South Africa? Um, are we comparing that to the South African benchmark? I mean, the, 
the easiest thing to to really do is have a look at the, the the biggest companies that are out there. Have a look at the sort of benchmark weights and especially the sector weights. You know, we'll we'll have a look at financials accounting for you know probably twenty five percent of the market resources that are around twenty five percent of the market. Uh, and the rest made up of sort of industrial. So that gives you some sort of idea of a breakup of what you would like. Uh, and then, yeah, I would look at, uh, at your behemoths for your, your, your core sort of part of the, um, the, the portfolio. Um, so companies like Anglo-American in the resources space, uh, Richmond, Nusbers Process. So you have a look at uh, First Rand, a Standard Bank, um, you know, those uh, Richmond, those sort of, those sort of things make up a, a bit of the that this the bulk and do the heavy lifting within the portfolio as it stands. Yeah, uh, on your side, Derek, what would you be choosing to form uh, the core of your South African equity portfolio? Quite an interesting point that Nick also makes there is that do you look at South African focused companies or just companies that happen to be listed on the JC? And what percentage uh, weighting would they have in that portfolio? Well, I think one needs to be mindful of the fact that we have actually got a very rand-hedged market if you just look at the weights and the constituents towards that. So you put in that basket British American Tobacco, Naspers Process, Anglo's Bulletins, even Glencore's come into the picture. So a very strong weight is actually leaned towards uh, a weaker currency in terms of performance if you just look at those dual listings. So I think those big companies, Rich want another one. Uh, I think if you just look at those big companies and the weights that they contribute to the index, uh, you know, you've got to ask the question, is is the index going to be my benchmark that I want to outperform or do I want to go look and stock pick good quality companies? Because there are some good quality companies on the periphery within the SA in context. You know, if you just look at things like Bidvest, for example, I think the banks are also quite well placed, although they have had a big run. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there's, there's a few sort of uh, mid-tier type companies. I was keeping an eye on Supergroup, for example, today, which uh, has obviously done exceptionally well and I think also well-placed. So I would say just be mindful of the contribution of the index to or, or the companies to the index and then, uh, and then look to stock pick around that. But in this kind of market, you don't want to also over-diversify yourself. I think it's very much if you're going to be investing in South Africa – it's very much a stock picker's market, uh, and you've got to be highly convicted in uh, those decisions and choices that you make. Yeah, well, uh, talking about over-diversifying yourself, the next viewer doesn't uh, also uh, is on that uh, trail that they're not trying to diversify or over-diversify. Uh, so the viewer says that uh, they've got a high-risk cit- uh, cyclical strategy. It works well for them. Uh, I'm seeing SA Inc. stocks look good for the next 18 months. Would you go for retailers or financials as a high roller bet? Not thinking diversification. Think uh, take a bet to take a lane. Uh, now the magic question. If you choose two in either class, make a call. Won't hold you to it in the future. So you guys are okay. Uh, no responsibility there on your part. But retailers or financials, both of you guys spoke about financials. Uh, Nick, you were talking about behemoths such as First Rand. Uh, Derek, you also mentioned that the financials are also doing quite well. So, uh, Nick, do you go for financials or do you also go for some of the retailers? And which two would you go for? Well, I think you're... You know, from a risk perspective and a potential return perspective, I think the the retailers are probably going to give you more of a return, but with a slightly higher risk um, that comes in from a cyclicality perspective. Um, I think uh, I think if you're going to pick two in each sector, 
um, you know, it's a it's a tough thing to do because I think on a longer term or even a medium term kind of basis, there's significant value in both, uh, you know, almost, I would say all of the banks as well as pretty much all of the retailers at, at this sort of time. Um, if I were to pick two, I would probably have a look at a, you know, first round Standard Bank, Ned Bank, uh, Absa. To be honest, I'm, I'm relatively ambivalent across the banking sphere. I think I think they're all looking pretty well paced. But as Derek mentioned, they've had a bit of a run. Um, and in the retailer space, I suppose, if it were me, I were picking a, probably a Mr. Price and a ShopRite to diversify a little bit from the apparel as well as the food on the retail side. Ah, all right. Uh, on your side, Derek, uh, retailers or financials, uh, and which two, uh, or would you take one from each sector? So I think, you know, just broadly speaking, and it's an interesting topic that we're talking about at the moment in terms of the ESA Inc. basket. Mm. I think for the first time in many, many years, I've started to see uh, a little bit of uh, global interest coming into our market just from a fundamental perspective. I think we need to be mindful of the fact that uh, offshore markets or developed markets have certainly run very hard over the last six months. Valuations are looking a little bit stretched, uh, you know, probably sitting plateaus. So I think... Global money managers are looking for uh, value opportunities within the emerging market space. And I think South Africa's uh, putting its hand up a little bit. You know, the banks were cheap. They've obviously had a bit of a run. I still think they can continue. And I think that there's some leverage in these uh, retailers. Uh, if you just look at some of the, the food retailers, I agree with Nick. I think ShopRite is probably the, the best run business at this point. Uh, just going through some of those financials, comparing them to pick and pay and spa which have been somewhat dismal. Um, but even uh, the clothing retailers, if you look at something like a Mr. Price, I agree, I think looks quite interesting, uh, or even a Trueworths. I think that also looks quite interesting and not on demanding valuations. As we start to hopefully plateau and turn with the uh, economic cycle that we're in or the interest rate cycle, uh, there's some leverage in these companies as they start to see some increased consumer spend. So I think to answer your question, I like the banks. They're going to be uh, good quality. I like APSA at the moment. I think that there's probably some value uptick just to catch up to the likes of a first rand, good quality bank first rand. But then I like the leverage component in terms of where we are in the cycle when it comes to the retailers. Uh, so like a Mr. Price from 150 odd bucks can quite quickly move to 220. I think, you know, if we just get a bit of positive sentiment, and a, a bit of a tone change from the Fed in terms of global interest rates, there's some leverage there. So I, I like the SA Inc. basket. I think you can look at all the stocks mentioned, even what Nick said. I think they look interesting. Um, and stick to quality. You know, as I said, you compare ShopRite to a pick and pay and a spa, which seem like they're in a little bit more of a precarious position as opposed to ShopRite. So my sort of underlying comment is stick to quality. And you can spread your, your portfolio across the retailers as well as the banks. Ah, all right. Uh, well, let's go into tech. Uh, there's a question here on process. Uh, I see the process share price hardly reacted to its sale of a 50% share in its pay-you business. Uh, can you guess say how the sales price compared to the valuation that process placed on pay-you, an unlisted company, in its latest annual report? Uh, Nick, do you have any insights on that? Um, no, not 100% in the sense that they are selling a portion of the PayU business, um, which made up a portion of their overall payments business. If you have a look at their overall payments business, they sort of value it at around $4.5 billion. 
uh, this sales price was about 631. So it's certainly not the entire slice of the payments kind of business. Uh, and I don't know offhand what they would have valued this stake at. Um, I think, you know, overall it is, you know, in South African terms, $631 million is a fair amount of money. But, uh, you know, with having a look at the, the sort of the net asset value of process, um, it's a bit of a drop in the ocean. I think largely, you know, since really December of last year, you've seen management of process talking around changing their strategy somewhat and trying to unlock value um, and, uh, you know, stop throwing money after at unprofitable companies, hoping that they become profitable. Um, and certainly if you have a look at this type of business and where it was situated, it, it was a type of business um, that is going to require further capital going forward. So, I think it's an incremental step in the right direction, but it's relatively irrelevant uh, in the global global scheme of things and the, the large scheme of things. So that's why I don't think it would have been a share-moving share um, you know, piece of news. All right, let's get to more viewer questions. Uh, has the world ceased drinking beer? I'd like the panel's input on our local AB or local in inverted commas, on our local AB in Bev or Europe's Heineken. Derek, let's start off with you. Uh, have people stopped drinking beer? What is happening there? No, I, I think it's obviously a trend that just still remains. I think uh, if you compare needs to wants, I think it still remains very much a need and a want. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, there's always going to be global beer consumption uh, across the globe. And obviously, you've got uh, the different hemispheres moving from summer to winter ongoing. So you might find that in the in the warmer months, uh, the beer sales start to increase, uh, obviously, uh, in the north, uh, whilst we sit in the winter periods. But I certainly think that uh, these businesses, if you just look at the, call it AB InBev's and the Heineken's uh, of the world, I think that they are uh, quite well uh, positioned, to be honest, um, where they pay decent, chunky cash flow dividends, um, sitting on not overextended valuations. And uh, even in spite of a very high interest rate environment, the share prices haven't done that great. I mean, they're obviously not tech companies, but uh, they are predictable in terms of the earnings and the forecasts that they put out. So, I think that they're actually good quality companies. As I was mentioning earlier, with the big uptick in the growth side of the market being the tech companies, I actually think a lot of these companies have kind of fallen out of favor and the valuations are starting to look fairly interesting. So, you know, if you if you ask me, I would say, you know, you look at an AB InBev or a Heineken, I think that they look like interesting buying opportunities at the moment. Mm. Um, would you... Uh uh, be uh, concentrating on that uh, market uh, as well, Nick, or not? No, no, not really. Um, I think, you know, from a from a market perspective, I mean, certainly, you know, allocating allocating cash into a market. I would prefer it to be a market that's growing volumes, that is trending upward, where the pie is really increasing in size. Now, whilst I do think that AB and Bev and Heineken and probably especially Heineken are well-run companies that do well and, uh, you know, dominate that, that sort of the market they play in, I, I'm not convinced that the, the long-term trajectory for volumes in beer is going to be in an upward trajectory. Um, so it's really become a game of premiumization and that's how you sort of expand margins and that sort of side. Um, and... I don't really see in the absence, um, I suppose, in the absence of anything else, yes, I'd invest in those are the companies to have a look at. Uh, but I think there are better opportunities elsewhere 
uh, in different sectors, which I think have better long-term kind of growth fundamentals. All right. Well, there's a question on MTN. Uh, the viewer asking, uh, what about MTN? Is it still high risk? Derek? Yeah, I think MTN is always going to be one of those high-risk businesses, just given the, given the geographies that it operates in. Uh, you know, you have big fluctuations in the underlying currencies in terms of Nigeria. You know, whether it's Nigeria, Ghana, we've seen the big fluctuations in our currency as well. So I think just generally it is always going to be a very high-risk business, but uh, they've certainly cemented, cemented themselves in the market that they operate in. So they are the market leaders in terms of the geographies that they are positioned. Uh, and I certainly think that if they can continue to bring on uh, Momo or payments applications or call it horizontally integrate with the market that they've already penetrated, I think it's a company that's going to continue to produce good cash flows uh, and you can expect some good, good dividend flow out of them. Uh, I think where it's positioned at the moment, if you just look at it at around 140 Rand a share, probably fairly priced, uh, not going to run away strongly to the upside, uh, you know, towards that 160, 180. It wasn't too long ago. It was actually up at about 200 Rand. But long short is that it's a good quality business. It's well run. Buying it at these levels is going to give you a, a level of comfort in that you're going to get some good dividend and cash flow. Uh, but expect some volatility in the share price. That's just the nature of uh, the business that, that it is and the geographies that it operates in. Yeah, all right. Uh, Nick, uh, would you be going into MTN uh, or would you prefer another player in that telecom space? I think it's similar to the previous question in the sense that the, the telecom space as a, as a whole, it's industry. It's not a sector that I'm particularly enthused by. Um, you require significant capex to go in, which is nice. There are barriers to entry from new players coming through because of the significant capex that you require. Um, it is selling, um, you know, uh, products that are wanted and needed. However, they are regulated uh, to a certain extent, and some of their pricing is regulated to a certain extent, especially if you have a look at MTN into Nigeria and into some of the African countries, and that is a bit of a bit of a concern. Uh, in terms of the actual company itself, MTN, I do agree. I do think it's well run. I do think they've managed the, the, the business quite well. Um, I think it's well positioned potentially to grow and, and to offer new products in the different areas. I am a bit concerned with some of the more significant, um, you know, free floating, the, the Nigerian Naira, um, as, as, as well as, you know, just the implications that's going to have on inflation, what sort of pricing they can push through. So I think there's some uncertainty into what is de facto their biggest geography uh, at the moment. And with the share price, you know, as Derek says, it's not at ridiculously cheap levels. Um, I would prefer a, a better buying opportunity. And I think one can be presented. So I would be staying clear at the moment. Uh, all right. Well, uh, another company that a lot of people have been uh, staying clear of is Transaction Capital. But some people are uh, saying that, you know, go in and in the long run, things are going to, to be good again. Um, uh, the question goes, uh, does the panel uh, have a price expectation for this share? That's Transaction Capital. Should there be a positive sense announcement regarding the GOMO rollout across the country? Could the share go back to 20 Rand in the next three years? Uh, Derek? <laughs> so that, that's a bit of a flyer. I think that the company is dealing with much more pressing issues at the moment in terms of that SA taxi finance business and that SA taxi unit. I think all eyes are going to be on the next set of financials and how they've managed to, to sort of navigate the very tough 
environment that they're in at the moment. There has been a little bit more of a sort of positive news flow surrounding transaction capital, payment terms being extended, uh, obviously the siloing out of uh, the businesses uh, so that you don't get uh, an all-fall down scenario, and then the uh, extension of some of those loan agreements that they've got in place. So if they can navigate this very tough environment that they're in, uh, you know, even if you write off the SA taxi business close to zero, I still think that the the other components that are driving transaction capital and in particular we buy cars are still well positioned. I think we buy cars, if you just look at that asset, was probably a little bit overinflated if you look at it about 18 months ago. And it's come back to a more palatable sort of valuation in terms of the net asset value within transaction capital. But it certainly is still a business that's growing. So I do think that people are taking a sidelined approach for now. Um, I've sort of spent quite a lot of time going through the detail and the financials and what one could possibly expect. Uh, I don't expect any great shakes in the sort of short to medium term, but certainly, you know, as we, as I said, start to see possibly a bit of a top in this interest rate environment and a better backdrop of a sort of economic backdrop, then I think that transaction capital will have a little bit of leverage to it if it can get through this period. So I still think that it's probably cheap, but you've got to be patient. It's one to probably buy, stick in the bottom drawer and forget about it. Uh, don't put too much money in it that it concerns you and you have a sleep, sleepless night worrying that it's too big a position in the portfolio. But I still think that it's a well-run business. I think that it's looking cheap. Two to three years from where we sit today, I certainly think that you could probably see a, a significantly higher share price than call it six grand eighty odd where it is. Yeah, I mean this really is a polarizing stock. Uh, quite uh, interesting points that Derek makes there. The pressure that we're seeing in that taxi business, but also the other business uh, businesses, really um, you know good for the long term. But obviously there's this. Uh, kind of loss in confidence uh, on some level. Nick, uh, would you be staying on the sidelines? Would you be going in or not? Yes, yeah, so I suppose uh, from myself, I'd be happy to sit on the sidelines at the moment. So um, I do think, is there a chance that you can get a 20 Rand plus? Yes, certainly there's a chance. Mm. Uh, you know, but in terms of not playing roulette, one has to have a look at historical information that was provided how the management teams then delivered on that, how, how predictable almost these businesses have sort of performed. Uh, and, you know, from my perspective, the, the sort of missteps and ultimate change in strategy and change in the business around SA Taxi came as a, a bit of a surprise. Um, and in that, there's a now a credibility gap that needs to be filled. And so for me, yes, there's a, there's a course to, to 20 Rand most certainly, but that credibility needs to come back. And for me to get interested, I'd prefer to forego some of the upside and get a bit more certainty on what's being presented and, and have that credibility come back. So for me, no, I, I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be interested at these sort of levels, not yet. Ah, all right. Well, let's get to uh, stocks that you are interested in right now. Uh, let's get to your stock picks. Gentlemen, Derek, what will it be? So tonight I'm going with an offshore counter, counter called Kinko Bioworks. Uh, this is essentially, uh, call it an early stage business. Um, uh, I've been following it quite closely. It is very much, uh, call it an R&D type business. So lots of money going into the, uh, call it the genetic fabrication of, of cells. So almost like a tech company when it comes to 
um, getting some synthetic solutions together for the day-to-day uses that we use as opposed to bringing um, raw minerals out of the ground. So I certainly think that uh, the business has got quite significant upside from where it is at the moment. It has had a good run this month, but it is coming off a little bit tonight. Um, and the business is, is basically bo- broken down into two main sort of valuation spaces where you've got a services component and then obviously you've got the downstream value where you know it generates commissions or future sales so i think that it's a racy stock pick for me tonight but i do think that uh, again it's probably one that you could buy stick away and hopefully over the next three to five years uh, let it reward you with some decent capital upside all right on your side nick Yes, yeah, so I'm also going for an offshore um, stock pick at the moment. Uh, I think in the SA space, we've seen quite a significant recovery over the last sort of nine weeks. Um, and again, a lot of US and, and global companies have also done quite nicely over that period of time. So looking for areas in, in industries that have been a little unloved at the moment, and I think are ultimately um, you know, mispriced. Uh, the company I'm going for is PayPal. Um, it's certainly an e-commerce player. This is a company of significant scale. I think last year they did about $28 billion worth of revenue. So it is very large. Um, going back to pretty much end of 2021, it was trading at around $300. It's currently trading at 75 so it's around 70% off. I thought the $300 price was uh, ridiculously expensive. However, I think likewise, the $75 is just way too cheap for a company that um, I think is going to continue growing. You know, again, e-commerce is has been flattened out in terms of growth over the last uh, year and a half. But I think the growth is set to resume, and I think uh, PayPal will, will 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 certainly benefit from that. And it is just mispriced at the moment. So I see significant upside on the the sort of the medium term to to PayPal. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today, gents. Uh, that's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Derek Janssen van Rensburg from Anchor and Nick Krell from FNB Wealth and Investments. Coming up, the close. Stay watching.